1: If we're being truthful, we've all been there, read the comment section when we really shouldn't have, or maybe we commented ourselves. Well, Joseph M. Regal, an assistant professor at Northeastern University in the Communication Studies Department, has read a whole lot of comments so that we no longer have to. In his new book, Reading the Comments, Likers, Haters, and Manipulators at the Bottom of the Web, he categorizes the kinds of people who comment. And not only that, he examines the function and purpose or value of comments in society. And that's what we're talking about today on the show. This is New Books and Technology. I'm your host, Jasmine McNeely. We're here at New Books and Technology, and we're here with Joseph M. Regal, Jr., who is the author of the new book, Reading the Comments, Likers, Haters, and Manipulators at the Bottom of the Web. One of the first things we like to do on New Books and Technology always it is to start off with the author telling us a bit about themselves. So, who is Joseph M. Regal Jr.?
0: Good morning, Jasmine. Thank you for asking. Okay. I am an assistant professor at Northeastern University. I'm in the communication studies department and I study online communication in particular. In the past, I used to study the collaborative culture of Wikipedia. Uh, I still touch in on Wikipedia every once in a while, and we actually edit Wikipedia in one of my classes in online community. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've also been working on a strain of research on geek feminism and some other pop culture aspects related to online life.
1: Okay. Well, how do you get, how do you get to this point? How did you get to start studying a digital uh, culture and online culture?
0: I actually started out in computer science a long time ago, Mm -hmm. and I was most interested in computer security at the time. And one of the insights I had was that actually some of the weakest part of computer security is actually the social social aspect. Mm -hmm. Someone can call up and say, "Hey, I'm in IT. I need your password. Can you give it to me so I can log in and fix something?" And it doesn't matter what kind of cryptography you're using; if you can do that, you're sunk. Mm -hmm. And so I started thinking about, oh, communication and social relationships are kind of like protocols. And I began thinking about the juxtaposition of these two worlds. I did some technology policy and my uh, my trend has been increasingly away from the technology professionally, more toward the soft realms of the sociality and the communication associated with online life and geek culture.
1: Mm -hmm. So. The social part of online life and geek culture. Is that the reason you wrote reading the comments?
0: yeah each one of my projects that I take on are typically because of a strong ambivalence I have about something mm-hmm. and i self identify as a geek and so <laughs> it will be and I actually read a lot of online comments and reviews, and sometimes I think this is awful, why have I done this or sometimes I find something really awesome where I find a really useful review or I find a review I'm skeptical about so very often my my work is me wrestling with these ambivalencies, and so reading the comments. Uh, again, I, I feel like an argument I make in the book is that we now live in a world just where everything is ranked and rated and commented upon. As a teacher, you know, uh, I'm evaluated by my students and my superiors. Mm-hmm. Uh, I rate my students insofar as I give them grades. Uh, books get reviews, blog comments are, yeah. uh, blogs are commented upon. So it just struck me of like, wow, I'm living in this world in which everything can be ranked and reviewed. I take advantage of it. It also makes me feel anxious. And in the book, I argue, I think we have to do a certain amount of emotional work in this world. And so again, I was just kind of confused and perplexed and I wanted to dig into it. And, and so I liken the book to a journey to the bottom of the web of me just visiting these various places and seeing what I find.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, before we even go forward, you used a couple of terms that I think we probably should define. So you oh, said sure. the word geek and I think some people have an idea of what a geek is or at least a picture in their mind. But some people say geek and nerd are not the same thing. So perhaps you can explain what a geek is and why you call yeah. yourself.
0: A geek. <laughs> I tend to use geek for the, the larger, almost interchangeable term. And people often do use these terms interchangeably. And we could geek out, which mm-hmm. I'll explain in a minute <laughs> and get into the particulars and the details. But generally, uh, a geek is Is thought to be a person is very enthusiastic about something, sometimes to the detriment of other sort of interests or social interactions. So, the term has become so popular now that even there's reef geeks out there, which are people really into their aquariums. (sighs) And one of my favorite uh, takes on all of this actually is a Venn diagram. It's a circle with those overlapping sections, Mm -hmm. and they have the overlapping sections include things like. intelligence, enthusiasm, and social awkwardness. And so within those overlapping areas, you see, well, here's a nerd who typically are associated with being smart. Here's a geek who are typically associated with being uh, enthusiastic. And here's a dork who's typically associated with being socially awkward. And then there are overlaps. So you have things like dweebs and <laughs> other types of characteristics. But in short, it's people who are enthusiastic.
1: Okay. And you, so you consider yourself a geek concerning online life or online? Yeah, life? I'm a geek about Wikipedia. I'm okay. a geek about uh, digital photography.
0: Hmm. I'm a geek about some fandoms or sometimes people use the word geekdoms. So if there's a particular ah. world like Star Trek or Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you could call those uh, geekdoms.
1: Okay. Now, we're talking about the book, reading the comments, and you noted Um, some of the things about comments, about the social life of of being online. So the question is, what is it about comments that make us either want to participate or avoid them? And yet they're so ubiquitous. They're almost every site, um, whether it's for, a commercial enterprise or a social enterprise allows people to comment in some way. What is it about comments that that has so enticed us?
0: Right. Well, there's a lot of positive things that comments serve to do. So just to give an example of two things, uh, one, it helps people connect. I mean, this is really sort of generic with respect to communication, but you might be of a particular uh, enthusiasm or identity or persuasion, uh, living out in the middle of somewhere else where you're never likely to encounter someone like yourself. So for example, maybe you live out in a rural area and you suffer from epilepsy. Mm -hmm. Well, you can connect with other people and and, and form a community and make friends. Um, So there's just the social aspect of staying in touch with one another, which is why I think people are on Facebook and leaving comments on one another's photos and tweeting and retweeting. And then from the commercial point of view, it's something economists call an information asymmetry. But how do you buy something online when you actually can't see it? What do you do? And we now take this for granted. But back when e-commerce was first happening in the 90s, uh, the information asymmetry was, is that I would like to know whether you're a trustworthy merchant selling trustworthy goods. And they would like to know whether I'm a trustworthy uh, consumer who's going to pay it once they ship it. And so ratings and rankings and reviews help us ascertain as to whether the thing and the person we're interacting with are actually trustworthy. So just from the social point of view and from the commercial point of view, there's a lot of reason to have ratings, rankings, comments, so that we can get a better sense of whether the person we're interacting with can be trustworthy. Mm -hmm. Uh, But similarly, because these commenting and review platforms are so uh, valuable, And in the book, I cite a number of figures where things like uh, review sites have been sold for tens of hundreds of millions and uh, sites like Travelocity valued at billions. They're also subject to a lot of manipulation. And so we now live in a world where there's scammers and fakers and manipulators leaving fake comments and reviews. Uh, And It's not always just commercial. There's plenty of governments and political groups that do the same thing.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the other things that you mentioned towards the the uh, front of the book is about the idea of social grooming and how comments um, some what perform a social grooming kind of function. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and you use the study dealing with um, wild mermets, I believe, mm-hmm. um, and how actual grooming allows the forming of alliances and that we as humans though have language and that allows us to form alliances. But how do comments fit into that social grooming idea? Perhaps you could tell the audience. Sure. So if we were
0: to think about this question of, well, who can I trust? Mm-hmm. You can kind of map it back to the primate world where you live in a, a group of say 15, 16 primates and you think, well who can I trust to take care of my baby while I go out to forage, who I'm going to share my uh, food with that I've just brought back. And uh, the idea uh, that was proposed by Robin Dunbar was that those types of alliances are associated with brain size. That's why primates have big brains and the big brains are associated with the degree to which the animals spend time Making friends with one another, mm-hmm. grooming, picking off fleas, you know, scratching one another's backs. And the reason I brought up that insight because it, it goes to the question of why often do comments get turned off on sites? And Dun, uh, Dunbar's argument was that language serves the same purpose as picking the fleas off another monkey's backs. Mm-hmm. In, in that it allows us to build alliances, it allows us to figure out who's trustworthy and who's not a friend of my friend is my friend uh, sort of a thing. And we've evolved language. And so we can have correspondingly larger groups of people. And when you try to get a good size of like, what is a real community where you can know people and know other people, the number that's often raised is 250. And sometimes that's referred to as Dunbar's law. Uh And so 250 is a good size for a community where you feel like you've got a handle on who's there You know who they are. You know who their brothers and sisters and fathers and friends are. And that helps the community regulate itself. And online, that's much larger, but nonetheless, there is a point at which the scale breaks. When you have 500 Facebook friends, do you really know all of those friends? Do you know if some of them are trying to scam you? And so I say very often, an irony of a commenting or communication platform is that when it becomes successful, It gets really big. And then originally when you have a little group of people and someone brings their friend, you're happy. You get to meet someone. I call it intimate serendipity. And Mm -hmm. you find out cool stuff and you get to tell them about yourself. But eventually the group gets so big, you start saying, who brought that jerk? (laughs) And is that guy trying to slip me something? And, you know, so there is this inherent challenge of scale when it comes to communities. And the reason I think we see a lot of comment platforms shutting down is they were ironically successful enough that they attracted the scammers and the manipulators and the the trolls and all the less savory uh, characters in the online world.
1: Hmm. So it seems, though, that much of our online communication is built on the idea of comments of, of varying perhaps length or depth um, and in various kinds where it's upvoting or liking or thumbs upping or whatever the case may be. But why do you think that this kind of communication is just so perhaps easy and so prevalent and so ubiquitous? What is, what is it about the comment? And I know some people think comment is only the text form, but what is it about the comment that has made it so you know, popular?
0: Right. Well, I think the two things you've touched on make it so. And that is the we are gossipy sort of creatures. Uh-huh. And that fulfills a actual economic. It helps bridge that information asymmetry. Mm-hmm. And so, ha- consequently, platforms want to make it as simple and as easy to do. Interestingly, the social web is finally an acknowledgment that were social creatures. For a long time, if we go back to the 80s and 90s when people deployed information technologies and communication platforms and email, for instance, some of the first email deployments, they're like, oh, our employees are gonna use these to do really useful, productive stuff like talk about scheduling meetings and what's a good sales pitch for a particular product and how can we fix this technology? Uh, Once they deployed these systems, the employees ended up using them to talk about the schedule for the softball league or to talk about books they like, or to talk about nearby restaurants that are good. And so this is the stuff we want to do when people actually study what people say in the course of a conversation. We spend a lot of our time on meta discourse or or gossipy sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we are just naturally commenting type of social beings. And no longer is this being unacknowledged or resisted. Now platforms like Twitter and Facebook are built on this very idea. And that's why I think it's so much more ubiquitous. I try not to be myopic in the book and say there's big things in the margins and comments and reviews for a very long time. And I go back to Michelin guide and things like that. But now it's ubiquitous, as you said, it's pervasive. And it's as easy as just pulling out your phone and, and, and touching it.
1: Mm-hmm. So it seems, though, that a lot of... Uh commenting is based on the fact that we do produce a lot of information. So we produce the, you know, you talk about user generated content that people will then comment on. So if we didn't put up perhaps a picture or a question or another comment, then other people wouldn't comment on it. So there seems to be a a relationship between the comments that are made and the fact that we produce other information. Yeah, this is often referred to as meta, meta, <laughs> right. which
0: is you know there's kind of this recursive sort of feature to it, and it's very true. It's one of the things that I think that are most most powerful about commenting.
1: Mm-hmm. So, uh, you in the book you talk about commenting performing many different functions, informing, manipulating. Um, possibly alienating, I was wondering if you could talk about that
0: a bit, sure, so when I was thinking about comments, I was trying to come up with some sort of system like how how can I make this semi coherent how can I make of this make sense of this? Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, maybe I should think about our relationship to the comments, what is it they 're actually doing for us, and it 's kind of an arbitrary scheme that 's just the scheme I came up with for thinking about comments and so as you mentioned I talk about uh they inform us and so there I'm focusing about reviews and you know they're really useful sometimes and I call myself sometimes a review addict. <laughs> um they manipulate us. So again you find a lot of fakers and spammers and manipulators out there. You can buy for penny pennies uh or fractions of pennies Twitter followers, mm-hmm. uh likes on Facebook, reviews on Yelp. Uh similarly um feedback is really interesting communicative genre that i'm interested in and you know sometimes people can give you a comment that actually helps your presentation or your webpage or your blog or your paper but there in particular i talk about how much how much of this is actually significant emotional work that i don't think people appreciate it's very hard for people to comment to review your work and maybe it's negative and you take it very much to heart Similarly, with all the haters and trolls out there, mm-hmm. uh, comments can very much alienate us from the world. And I think a lot of explains a lot of people take a step back from the online world for a period. Similarly, comments can shape us. And so there I talk about the problems of self-esteem in particular and what is it doing to us. And maybe is a relationship with plastic surgery in that we come to see ourselves through the approval and comments of other people and what might that be doing to us and then finally i say comments very often are just confusing and perplexing and ask lots of weird interesting questions Mm -hmm. like why do people say the stupid things they do online and again i kind of dig into that with some theories is why that happens
1: Mm -hmm. so because you you have um created this list of kind of functions of comment inherent in those functions is it uh, or is it basically a statement that comments have some kind of value intrinsically
0: I think they can so to the fact that they inform us mm-hmm. that they help us connect with other people that they help us improve that they make us laugh i think that's all inherently good mm-hmm. but there's also some downsides right? they make us horrified uh, because someone said it would- <laughs> or did something horrible, uh, were manipulated, um, and maybe our self-esteem or other aspects of our sociality are also uh, hurt in some particular way. So much like you know, one of the most powerful metaphors, though it's become almost trite for technology, it's that it's a double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. And I think this is no different.
1: Okay. Now, comments also have, I would think, created a function that may or may not have necessarily been necessary um, had it not been for the kind of content we get in comments. And that is the idea of moderation or Mm -hmm. the moderator. I was wondering what you thought of the, the role of the moderator, oh i
0: think the the moderator is very important and again this relates to scale so if you have a small group of people say six people over for dinner and you generally can follow the conversation with that many people but if you move out to maybe a conference uh so now you have a hundred people you're going to want some structure you're going to need uh maybe panels or topics and people go off and discuss those things and they come back and they report what they said. And so for me, if you want a successful community, that's going to scale beyond just a group of friends or even Dunbar's number of 250, you're going to need some level of active uh, moderation. The problem is is that moderation is is expensive. Someone has to sit around and do this sort of work. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you pay those moderators more often than not they're not paid and they're volunteers, but then you run into other sorts of problems of, well, what happens when your volunteers get upset? So we saw that just in the past couple of months at Reddit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know if you're familiar with that case where a number of subreddits, some of the discussion forums on Reddit were closed. Mm-hmm. They said, we're closing up shop to protest the fact that someone at Reddit got fired um, who helped them moderate the ask me anything Subreddit, which is a very popular forum where people like President Obama can go there and people can just ask them questions.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And more than that, the actual moderators were upset with the fact that they felt like they were underappreciated. They needed more tools to more successfully moderate, uh, and they weren't being supported sufficiently by the company. So, this is a really big challenge for any online community and platform. Once you get big enough, how are you going to deal with the fact? That our social interactions don't easily scale, so what kind of structures, what kind of governance, what kind of moderation are you going to need to make sure the conversation stays civil and my favorite metaphor for this and productive is Tahanisi Coates, who writes for the Atlantic he said it's kind of like a lot and if you want a ga- if you want a, a garden to grow, you actually have to be in there and pruning the weeds and watering the seeds of the flowers that you want to see mm-hmm. and to otherwise expect uh, 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 an abandoned lot that a lot of people are trafficking through and dumping their old tires and refrigerators in to become a garden is just uh, it's naive and it doesn't really work that way
1: Mm -hmm. and even the moderators get commented on too right
0: Oh sure, yeah. It's turtles all the way down. You know, that's an expression of the philosophy that thought the Earth stood on the turtle, and you said, "Well, what is what's under the turtle?" I'm like, "Well, it's turtles all the way down." So that's again that very meta property. Mm-hmm. So when the discussion site slash dot, I think they were maybe one of the first sites that did this, but they call it meta moderation. Mm-hmm. So not only are the meta the moderators ranking the posts and the comments, but then people are moderating the moderators.
1: Absolutely. So one of the things you talk about in the book also is the idea of emotional work, mm-hmm. emotional work that goes into comments and commenting and, and the, um, the reactions that happen from comments or to comments. And as well, you could talk about the emotional work. Uh, sure. That goes
0: on. So this idea didn't exist a couple of decades ago. There's a famous sociologist, Arlie Hochschild, that wrote this really good book about, the work of uh, airline stewards. Mm -hmm. And the fact is, you know, they have to smile and be friendly to jerks and whatnot (laughs) on the planes and drunk people. And that this was a significant part of what they did. In fact, this was a type of labor. They were selected and trained to smile and do emotional work, and that was the basis of their job. And so that was a really powerful insight, and now we can use it in lots of instances where you say, you know, it's, it's not just, I posted a comment, I read a comment, and I walked away from the computer and it had no sort of uh, effect. It's that very often when we do have to wade in, um, sometimes it's an actual type of work, we're exerting ourselves and we're tired after the fact. And sometimes it's even a type of labor. So if you are a paid moderator or you're someone who works at Facebook and you have to look at abuse or alleged child porn or this sort of stuff to filter it and and ban it, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know, that's you're selling an aspect of your uh, emotional uh, fortitude that can easily be exhausted for the for a salary. And I think there's a lot of places where we see this sort of emotional work. You see something that's upsetting Someone says something snarky to you. And again, in online comments, there's so many easy ways for people to be snarky to one another. Sometimes people refer to the back channel. Uh So people have a conversation about you that's supposedly kind of behind your back. But online, things are very transparent. It's very easy to see that people are saying uh, not nice things about you. Or you even sort of get a review. You put a product out there like a book. Uh, or a paper or a piece of art or a photograph and you'll get comments and reading through those comments particularly the negative ones it has an impact Mm -hmm. Uh, people who have studied emotions uh, note that you know a negative emotion has much greater uh, valence than a positive emotion so it's not hard for that one nasty comment a person makes one line or otherwise to stick with you, even if there's you know five nice things that people have said. It's at least for me, I know it's that negative one that I'm really going to ruminate on probably.
1: Right. Right. So uh, one of the, the, the final things I wanted to ask you about is perhaps a growing culture of people feeling entitled to comment. Um, so in the, if we're looking at perhaps news stories or on places like Slashdot or um, other places where people can can possibly comment. The idea that people complain about their comments being either erased or um, people having their uh, usernames b- blocked or banned from commenting, or mm. screaming things like, "Well, there's freedom of speech, and I should have I should be able to write whatever I want." Now, I you wonder if you had any um, insight on that perhaps culture of uh, comment entitlement, uh,
0: if you will. Right. Yeah. So I think it's wonderful that we all get to comment. Uh, I also am a big supporter of free speech, though Mm. my support has become somewhat moderated in the past few decades as Mm. I've been online. And one of the things I now appreciate when I see some of the harassment that happens online is that, if we speak about free speech, generally a good thing, but in the U.S. as a constitutional issue, it applies to the government, not censoring or discriminating uh, over people based on the content of their speech. Mm-hmm. But given how large and given the fact that everyone is online and how commercial it is, it doesn't mean that every platform out there has to accept every boneheaded comment that gets posted. So, for example, if I have a blog, which I do, and people want to post comments, which a few people do, uh, because I don't post to it that much or as much as I should, uh, that's my kind of space. I'm not the government. And if someone posts something that I think is going to chase other users away or is an attack or is harassing or is sexist or racist, it is my space. And I'm well within my right. And I think even duty to say that's not acceptable here, I want to grow a nice garden of Uh, discourse, and I don't want it to be the garbage-strewn lot. And so I think we have to make a careful distinction between sort of government behavior, corporate behavior, individual behavior when we understand this. And again, keep the eye on the prize of, there are still plenty of places you can go and say awful things if you want, Mm -hmm. but you don't have to say that everywhere. And people who own the platforms and who are building the communities, they too have a right to say what the purpose and tenor of their community discourse should be like.
1: Absolutely. Great. So the book is Reading the Comments, Likers, Haters, and Manipulators at the Bottom of the Web. And one of the things that we instituted here at uh, New Books and Technology is kind of the elevator pitch. So Mm -hmm. if, for example, that uh, the audience just tuned in now (laughs) for Mm -hmm. some reason and they got here and they wanted to know why they should buy the book, read the book, go to the library and and check it out to read or check it out, period. If you had like a minute to tell them, what would you tell them? What I'd
0: say is. I read the comments so you don't have to, (laughs) because sometimes it can be an onerous burden. Mm -hmm. And so you you can join me in my expedition to the bottom of the web as I visit these various communities and gain insights as to why comments are both so wonderful and awful.
1: Absolutely great. So what's next for you?
0: I'm working on life hacking, which again is one of these things that I'm very ambivalent about. (laughs) Um, But this is taking a geeky hack hacker ethos of being able to tweak and optimize and improve things and it's extended to every aspect of your life Mm -hmm. so there's tips on how to fold your shirts and tie your shoes and learn and be more productive and again it's this thing that i'm both a practitioner of to some extent but then i wonder when does it go too far
1: Hmm. okay that sounds great and we hope that you would come back on new books and technology once you finish that so where could they read more from you Uh, You can just Google me,
0: Joseph Regal. I do have a a research blog that I post to sometimes. I'm at J.M. Regal on Twitter. Uh, But I've been around on the web for a long time, so I'm not hard to find.
1: Great. So this has been Joseph M. Regal Jr. reading the comments, likers, haters, and manipulators at the bottom of the web. We thank you for coming on New Books and Technology and sharing. Thank you for having me. Absolutely great. Um, This has been New Books and Technology. Have a great week. (laughs) Bye. <laughs>